Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to the haunted estate. Hello, my little spooks. I hope you are enjoying today, this beautiful day here in Canada. Very cold, but not a big problem for me. I am recording this a little earlier than it's going to be released, replaced. We all know Selena is not the best with her words. Anyways, I hope you're enjoying the no music in the new episodes. Last episode is the first one you would have heard that. So I hope you enjoyed that a little more clear. I tried to do my speakacles better. Yes, I have magical words like speakacles and smarticles and all that fun stuff in between. Today, I wanted to shout out a big thank you to our top cities, top places like that. First, U.S. is the number one. The top city is Lutherville Timonium, M.D., and then Ingersoll, Canada, which is about 10 minutes away from Woodstock. Woodstock comes in fourth. We've got Montreal, Canada at second. Reading, PA, Arlington, Cincinnati, Perth, Australia. Uh, wow, we have people from everywhere. Chicago, Brunswick, Germantown, Canamore, Poway, New York, St. Catharines, Brothel, Pittsburgh, Birmingham, St. Louis, Louisville, Detroit, Salem, Casper, London, Brighton, Bedford, Orlando, Jackson, Auburn. Oh my God, the list goes on. But America, you are downloading me more than any other place. I really love that I have that ability to see where I am popular and who is loving me. And the top app is Stitcher with iTunes coming in a second. So, today on The Haunted Estate, Haunted Histories, your stories, my stories, and everything in between tonight on The Haunted Estate. Call us toll-free at one 877 3428 and visit us at com. Up now is a cool article that I actually found on Facebook, which really interests me. Don't forget that all links are going to be on theparanormalpodcast.com. You hit episode links and there they will be. This is called Ghost of WWE Wrestler Owen Hart. Kansas, Zuri. Oh, I got the phone calls. Hold on. It's my mommy. Hello, mom. 
People only call me when I'm recording podcasts. Yes, I am. I thought that I would leave that in for a little bit of a funny. I did end up pausing it there, but I know that you have all heard in every single episode some kind of ding or some kind of something from Facebook or something, but you need to realize that 99% of all other time, I get no messages and no Facebook and no anything, so I don't even think to put my phone on silent, but no, as soon as I start recording, you know, I've made friends with everybody in the whole god dang world. Anyways, let's get back to this article that I would like to read for you. The ghost of WWE wrestler Owen Hart. Kansas City, Missouri. On May 23rd, 1999, one of the most tragic events in WWE happened. The Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. Everyone that watches wrestling knows exactly what I'm talking about. It was the day that Owen Hart, WWE legend, Bret Hart's brother, died. It was one of wrestling's most popular eras during the late 90s and early 2000s. An era known for the Attitude Era era in world... WWE, I'm trying to say World War, in WWE. It had ratings going through the roof. You had a guy that flipped off his boss and drank a beer. Another guy who liked a specific type of pie and many other wrestlers who played over-the-top characters. Midway through that era, there would be a day that those wrestlers and wrestling fans would never forget. On May 23rd, 1999, the WWE had their over-edge pay-per-view. Owen Hart was posing as the Blue Blazer and had an intercontinental championship match with the Godfather. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not a big... I've never watched WWE. I'm going to be honest there. Never. <laughs> I remember watching as the match was about to get started. When I hear WWE Hall of Fame play-by-play... Man, JR say, we've got problems out here. As he said that, they played the promo of Owen Hart being the blue blazer. When the promo ended, you just saw the cameras on the crowd. That's when JR announced that Owen had fallen from the rafters onto the wrestling mat. You can see fans behind him looking at the camera, trying to communicate with the viewers that it doesn't look good. Owen was in the rafters before his match. When the time came, he started lowering himself into the ring from a safety harness. It was supposed to be a dramatic, superhero-like entrance. Part of the plan was that he was going to entangle himself and land face-first onto the mat as comic relief. He was lowering himself onto the ring. He was having some difficulty with the harness. That's when the harness snapped, and he fell 78 feet, landing chest-first on top of the rope. Wrestling legend Mick Foley said in his book, Have a Nice Day, The Tale of Blood and Sweatlocks, that Owen sat up for a moment after the fall and laid back down. He was rushed to the hospital, but had already died from internal bleeding caused by the chest trauma. Later that day, pay-per-view JR had the unfortunate responsibility of, of announcing Owen Hart's death to the audience. Years after this tragic incident, employees at the Kemper Arena have reported seeing the ghost of the wrestler. They say that he's been seen in the rafters wearing the blue blazer gimmick. Someone had taken a photograph from the rafters, and, it sh and white shows up in the picture. It appears to be the wings from the costume. Others cl other claims include specific flickering lights constantly in the arena. Some people say that they hear sounds of someone checking a cable on their harness. The spirit seems to show up during sporting events in the arena. In this case, Hart's family, hopefully this is just a residual event, and Owen is not reliving what happened to him.
That article, and along with all other articles, will be on the paranormalpodcast.com. This is a good one because there is a picture of what looks to be some kind of Orby ghost ball. So feel free to check that over. That will be up also with a picture of Owen Hart if you don't know who he is. Call and tell us your ghost story at one 260 up next, we have Real Life Horror, The Seven Scariest Haunted Places in New Jersey. I thought this would be a fun little article to read because we have a lot of listeners from New Jersey. So I thought, hey, let's make this a fun little time for them. Sure, there are lots of scary costumes and eerie sounds, monstrous movies, and killer candle candy candles. Oh my God, could you imagine? Rawr, I'm going to kill you with my waxy, good, delicious smelliness. Good Lord. Around Halloween time. But what about the real thing? The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Places that are actually haunted. We shouldn't forget about them because if we do and we accidentally enter into such a realm, we might feel the cold touch of our undoing on our shoulder. And it wouldn't be pleasant. Thankfully, the folks at www.NewJerseyHauntedHouses.com who are based on Long Island a pretty scary place itself, have compiled a list of the creepiest, the scariest, and the most blood-curdling real haunts in New Jersey for your fun time to visit during this wicked season. Some are open to the public, others are closed, forever to hold their tortures within. Readers, if a place is closed to the public, please don't go in. We love you just the way you are. <laughs> Conant Park. 383 Conan Street, Hillside Union County Department of Parks, 908-527-4900, open to the public. The park is said to be haunted by faceless ghosts who drive around in a van and kidnap girls. The girls are too frightened to tell anybody what happened to them, so the ghosts get away with it, according to lore. It's creepy stuff, says Kate Russell, editor of NewJerseyHauntedHouses.com. I'm starting to get spooked. And this house is pretty creepy looking, actually. It has a boarded up window, but it's open to the public. Ooh. This article will be on theparanormalpodcast.com, as I keep saying over and over and over again. But this one has pictures of all these houses, so it's pretty cool. Stephen Crane House, 508 4th Ave, Ashbury, Ashbury Park, open to the public. Stephen Crane, Ashbury Park native, famously wrote The Red Badge of Courage. He also wrote at least one newspaper article on Jersey Shore ghosts called The Ghosts of New Jersey. So it's appropriate that people say this house is haunted. There is a curious fact that you can't keep a, scotch, a bottle of scotch in the house, says writer Tom Chesek, who is the home's caretaker and author of Legendary Locals of Ashbury Park, which... I mean that any time we've had some kind of noble nectar here, it is gone. 
the bottle will be there, but it's completely drained of its contents, even if it's sealed and packed inside a gift box. So I tread lightly beneath the parle portrait of Miss Crane and keep watch over Atabus Cottage as I burn the midnight oil through the witching hours of overnight. Lakehurst Hangar Number 1, Route 547 Lakehurst, not open to the public. What happened to the souls and victims of the height? Heidenberg crash in Inferno. Many still dwell, dwell inside hangar number one, Russell said. Many people believe that the ghosts don't know that they're ghosts and just act normally, Russell said. They're inside, waiting for the next airship to come. Get me a one-way ticket out of here. Shades of Death Road, a.k.a. Route 611, Owl Monkey Township, open to the public. A long history of misfortune on the stretch of highway, from robberies to murders to even an outbreak of malaria, have betwitched travelers over the centuries. The nearby Ghost Lake doesn't help matters. It's only one of the really haunted places. Proprietary House, 149 Kearney Ave, Perth, Amboy, open to the public. The Popetary House was once home to William Franklin, the last royal governor of New Jersey's legitimate son of Ben Franklin. It's home today to quite a few spirits, including Revolutionary War soldiers. There's a ghost of a little boy that is particularly creepy, but little kids have an extra scare factor. Seabrook Winston, Wilson House, a.k.a. The Spy House, 119 Port Mouth Road, Middleton, open to the public. I, saw, I spy a ghost at the Seabrook Wilson House in Middleton, also known as The Spy House. That place is supposed to be haunted, Russell says. The ghosts there like to scare children. There's allegedly 22 active ghosts that people have seen there. People have seen a ghost boy look through the window. Union Hotel, 76 Main Street, Flemington, not open to the public. Lots of things go bump at the night at the no, now-closed Union Hotel. People hear sounds of singing. They see doors closing and kids running in the hallways. The Union Hotel is across the street from Hunterton County Historic Courthouse, where Bruno Richard Hotman was tried, charged, and convicted of the kidnapping of Charles Lindbergh's baby son. They called it the trial of the century. If you like dark history and this kind of stuff, it'll give you the creeps. I really wasn't a big fan of that article. They didn't really go into any of the hauntings. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a couple of these houses, definitely this one, this Seabrook Wilson house, the one with 22 active ghosts. Um, a lot of the time when I get these articles, I see the titles, I'm like, yes, because it needs so much content. I don't always pre-read things. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and find some information on that right now and read it to you. Have a topic idea? Send it to us at selena at thehauntedestate.com. It's a lone white wooden building that stands with its back to the windswept shore of Sandy Hook Bay in Port Monmouth section of Middletown. Its official name is the Seabrook Wilson Homestead, but most people know it much better as the Spy House. Though its true history belies many of the legends that could have circulated over the years, but this is an old property that has not dislayed many believers in the paranormal from dubbing it the most haunted house in America. The spy house was built sometime around 1650 and originally sat on 300 acres of land along the lonely Port Monmouth shoreline. As the story goes, 
At the time of its Revolutionary War, it was a tavern and popular drinking spot for British troops. Its owner at the time was an innkeeper named Thomas Seabrook, who was a patriot in the New Jersey militia. The origins of the spy house, Moinker, came from the legend that Seabrook would get the Redcoat soldiers liquored up enough to spill military secrets and then pass his overheard intelligence on to the colonial forces. Historians, historians are dubious about the validity of his tale, though most will admit certain aspects of it are partially factual. The building actually would become a tavern, but not until 1910 more than a century after the legend states. It would be employed as an inn upright until the 1970s, operating under various names such as the Bayside Manor and the Lighthouse Inn. In the early 19th century, the house belonged to a local reverend named William V. Wilson and his wife, Martha, whose residence there would add to the second part of its official name, the Seabrook Wilson Homestead. The building was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1974. It became a museum around the time that the United States Bicentennial in 1976. It was at that time it was started to be known as the Spy House. The term is credited as being coined by a former curator named Gertrude Neildlinger, who would give public tours of the house and its hodgepodge of various artifacts and supposedly historical significance. Gertrude, an elderly woman, who by most accounts was a colorful character with a vivid imagination, would spin yarns about the house's past weaving in threads of ghosts and espionage as she walked the visitors around the museum. Though most historians today bristle at the tales she told, they'll admit that Neildlinger's narratives gained quite a bit of attention for the house in the public's eye. Current-day preservationists will concede that she may have at least partially be responsible for the fact that Seabrook Wilson Homestead still exists today. Whether true or not, the ghost stories that began to circulate about the spy house soon became the primary focus of the homestead's appeal, much to the jargon of local historians. Nonetheless, visitors often reported seeing ghostly apparitions, either while in the house or through the windows from the outside. Paranormal investigators conducted investigations, often resulting in persuasive evidence of alleged or otherworldly activity. Articles were written by notable paranormal experts, some of which would dub the Spy House the most haunted house in America. Soon, the Spy House, as it was most commonly known as, stopped allowing public in for tours. This only further fueled the ghost hunters' beliefs that officials were trying to cover up the paranormal presence within its walls. During its closure, the Monmouth County Park Commissioner removed all the items once displayed in the house and stripped the interior to the bare timbers in an overall effort to restore the building to its original appearance, circa the Seabrook's era. The Seabrook Wilson Homestead in now once again is open to the public, displaying exhibits of verified of a verified historical significance, a sort of time capsule of Middletown's history. But what of the ghosts of the old spy house? Were they swept away with the brick brack that was removed from the building? Some think not, and believe that while you may be able to clean out an old house, that doesn't mean that you've cleansed it of its ghostly inhabitants. At this time, the spectral future of the former spy house remains to be seen. 
Weird New Jersey readers share their stories of their own ghostly encounters at Spy House. Spy House Ghost Boy. One morning, my friend Dave's parents went to visit the old Spy House Museum in Port Monmouth. Monmouth, man. Monmouth? Monmouth. They were there at the appointed opening time, but the curator wasn't there. After about half an hour waiting, they said the hell with it and left. As they were getting back into the car, my friend's father looked up and pointed out a kid, about 10 or 12 years old, looking at them from an upstairs window. His dad said that the kid had on one of those puffy shirts that they used to wear in one of the old days. As they watched, he slowly backed away from the window. Just then, the curator drove up and apologized for being late. They told her that they had seen a boy in the upstairs window. She said no one is supposed to be there. She opened the house, and together they searched the place, but found no one. The ghosts keep rocking at Spy House. On the way back from a very fun day at the water park in Keensburg, my dad decided to show my sister and I the spy house. When we got there, we looked in the windows. It was extremely dark inside and everything was locked. When we made it to the left side of the house, my dad noticed something moving inside. I just shrugged it off as nothing. But when I was looking at the same upstairs window, I noticed that the rocking chair had moved. I was scanning all the windows to see if I could see anything else unusual. I clearly saw a man sitting in a rocking chair and reading. It couldn't have been a ranger because he was wearing old clothes and was sitting in the dark, reading in a locked-up house. We snapped a picture and ran. As we pulled away, a ranger pulled up and unlocked the doors. So we assume it must have been a ghost. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel... Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. There's a video here. I'm guessing that that's going to be something paranormal. You can find this video and all these really cool articles and stories at theparanormalpodcast.com underneath the tab links. Next, I kind of want to research Ghosts of the Union Hotel Flemington, which was another one of those in the article. In February of this year, it was reported that a new controversial plan was being considered for the development of Flemington's historical downtown area. While the proposed plan is still far from finalized, if passed, it would include a new hotel. Hundreds of condo unions, retail shops, a parking deck, and six-story building that the developer hopes would house a college or professional school. The plan would also call for the demolition of the landmark Union Hotel, which is famed not only for its significant role in history, but also for the many tales of its supernatural inhabitants. Built in 1878 during the Victorian era, the Union Hotel with its red brick facade, French-style Manstead roof, and wide two-story tall porch has been a centerpiece of Flemington's Main Street ever since its days as a stagecoach shop in 1934. 
It stood witness to the media that was dubbed the trial of the century when Bruno Hoffman was accused of kidnapping and the murder of Charles Lindenberg's infant son. He was tried at the courthouse right across the street. The hotel's 52 rooms became the base of the operations for the scores of the world's renowned journalists, as well as a temporary home to the sequestered jurors. Through the Grand Hotel ceased talking ceased taking in overnight guests back in the 1950s. There are still said to be some lodgers who never checked out. A few years ago, Weird New Jersey was invited to tour the vacant rooms and empty corridors of the Union Hotel, which have been sealed off from the eyes of the public for decades. In its most recent incarnation, the Union Hotel operated as a bar and restaurant. A former manager, who asked to remain anonymous, told us that one night after closing, a bouncer locked the front doors. He returned to the bar where a few of the staff were sitting around having a drink. Suddenly, the locked doors flew wide open and a cold wind swept past them. When the bouncer went back to reclose the door, he saw a disembodied pair of children's black patent leather shoes walking up the main stairway. He freaked out, ran across the street, He called to his fellow employees on the phone and told everyone to get out of the hotel. Another time, a manager called one of the waitresses was carrying a registered drawer upstairs to the office. When she reached the top of the stairs, she heard an unearthly voice humming a lullaby. She dropped the drawer full of money right there and ran out of the building and never returned. The manager, whose office was on the second floor, has had some experience with spirits herself. Once at about 3 o'clock in the morning, she told us when she was alone in the building and doing books in her office, she felt another presence, like there was someone in the room with her. I could feel the presence right up against me, she recalled, pushing on my chest. It was making it hard for me to breathe. I didn't feel threatened, she said. I simply asked her to move away and leave me alone. Then it was gone. Another former employee told us of a brush with the paranormal at the union. It was nearly midnight, and the dining room had been closed and empty for at least two hours when a waiter came into the bar and asked, Whose kid is that playing in the dining room? I assured him that his co-workers had seen a girl about eight or ten years old running back and forth in the dining room. He said that she had long dark hair and was wearing a fancy dress. I know I saw a little girl in there, he said, when one of his regulars laughed and told him, You've just seen a ghost. The waiter, somewhat dazed, replied, but she looked so real. The Union Hotel finally closed its doors to patrons in 2008. In the years that followed, a new group of investigators purchased the property with the intention of restoring the hotel to its former glory. Being as historically accurate as possible and the reopening to the public, Weird New Jersey met with one of the new owners at the time, Josh LePiccolo. He took us on a tour of the now-abandoned parts of the hotel. The vacant second and third floors have been closed since the late 1950s, except for two rooms that were used as office space during the bar-restaurant days. The place looked haunted, inside and out. The recent years of neglect have made Union Hotel a perfect backdrop for the retelling of paranormal events that have happened in the 138-year-old building. Not more than a few minutes into our conversation, the heavy back door we'd entered through and had left open slammed shut with such ferocity that everybody was startled in their place. 
I was interested in this place before I preached the town with my ideas about redevelopment, said Joe. A realtor showed me around. We walked through the place. She was standing by the stairs and she said, you go up. I was thinking, what's the deal? But I went up the stairs and walked around. She stayed on the first floor. I came back down after looking it over and we heard some kind of noise coming from upstairs. She said, oh, don't worry about that. It's nothing. So I decided to start walking up the stairs to see what it was. I heard this kind of scratching sound. I thought it was an animal, but the weird thing was is that the further I walked up the stairs, the louder it became. I didn't see anything, so I started to walk back down the stairs. As soon as I did, the scratching got lower and lower, and then the sound started once again. I was on the first floor and told the realtor, you gotta come up here. She wanted no part of it. It was crazy. You would have thought it was an animal that it would walk away once it heard someone coming up the stairs, but whatever it was... The noise kept going until the realtor said, I'm out of here. We told Joe that there seemed to be a lot of paranormal activity that centered around the stairway, recounting another story that a reader had told us. I had friends that worked there. They were servers, waiters, and waitresses. As everyone knows, the top three floors are haunted. Well, every now and then, they would have to go up there for some reason to check with the manager or just run something up there. One day, my friend was going up the stairs at a quicker pace and just fell out of nowhere onto the third step, like she had been tripped. She said she didn't feel like she hit the step, but like she had hit a foot that came out of nowhere. She told one of her buddies that worked there, and he said that he had saw a little ghost of a girl and that she sits on the third step holding a doll and trips people that go up the steps too quickly. She also says that she's seen her at closing when people are at the bar. There would be voices in the dining room when they go to see if anyone was locked in, the room would be vacant. Unfortunately, the plans of Mr. Lopiccolo and his investors for the renovation and reopening of the Union Hotel never came to fruition. The new proposal being considered, which is spearheaded by local entrepreneur Jack Crest Jr., calls for the raising of the Grand Hotel. But the plan currently on the table is not without opponents, which include historical preservation groups and a prominent local architect who says that the Union Hotel can and should be saved. The debate continues for the local press at Flemington Town Hall meetings. Meanwhile, back at the dim and deserted corridors of the Union Hotel, a visitor can easily imagine what it must have been like during the media circus of the Hatman trial. Not much has changed there since 1930s. The guest rooms on the second and third floors have not been rented out for well over half a century and remain frozen in the past, looking just as they did when they were first closed to the public. The rooms are small and, for the most part, completely empty. Paint is peeling from the ceilings, mold is seeping through the carpets, and mildew stains on the walls. Creaks and other unidentified noises come from every direction and empty through the emptiness. One can hardly help but overlook the hotel in Stephen King's novel, The Shining. If there was a more accommodating residence for a specter to inhabit throughout all eternity, we haven't seen it yet. The Union Hotel might finally have to check out and find another haunt to call home. This article is really fantastic. It has actual pictures of the rooms. It truly is haunting and definitely like it hasn't been touched in 50 years. That will be it for this episode of The Haunted Estate. I hope you enjoyed going into some of the history of these places. Don't forget, as I said a million freaking times, these links will be available on thehauntedestate.com. Please email me your topic ideas, any links, any Facebook stuff. Tag me on Facebook, anything, you name it. I hope that you have a wonderful day and that you enjoyed this. 
next episode of The Haunted Estate. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.